All right. Thanks, Wesley. Again, welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. I want you to do something for me as we get things started off. Look at the person next to you and say, it's not yours. Now, don't snatch anything from them. Saw somebody right over here. They were like, it's not yours. And I don't know if it was a phone or, or what it is. It's not yours. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is describing, he's describing how that the lives of those who willingly give themselves over to the kingdom of God, how these lives are supposed to look. And what he describes is something that is very simple, but it's also something that is very radical. It's, it's a totally different way of living. And he knows that not everyone is going to be able to, to take what he says to heart. He knows that it's not going to be something that's going to be easily accepted. And so he says in verse 27, those of you who are willing to listen, those of you who are willing to listen, and that's who I'm talking to this morning. I'm talking to this morning to those of you who are willing to listen to what Jesus has to say about just a simple act of fellowship. So we've been talking about all summer, just looking at some simple things that Jesus said. Not easy things, but simple things. Where Jesus says, look, this is what it is to be a follower of, of mine. And if you're willing to listen this morning, then I want you to hear the message of Jesus. He says, if you're willing to listen, give out love to your enemies. He says, give up prayers for those who hurt you. Give your cheek, the other one, to the one who slapped you. Give the shirt off of your back to the guy who took your coat. He says, give to anyone who asks. Give mercy. Give forgiveness. Give money. He says, you do all these things without expecting anything in return from them. And then in verse 38, he says, if you do this, if you give, you will receive. He says, your gift will return to you, and it's going to come back full, and it's going to come down, pressed down, and it's going to be shaken together. It's going to be poured out into your lap, running over. He says, if you've got it, then you've got to give it. And we hear that, this idea of give, this idea of, of share, this idea of go ahead, if anyone asks, you just give it. The idea of giving out your um, code to your garage. Man, Stephen, I, I thought that you were going to let everybody know what it, what it took to get into your garage. You, you set it all up, right? And then you just left it for me. 1273. All right, there you go. I know, because if, 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 in the, if the preacher doesn't get up after you say that and share the garage code, now granted, you're not going to find anything in there that you would want. There, there, there is no chainsaw, okay? There, there is no um, power tools, Anything like that. A lot of stuff that we would love for you to come and get. But don't bring it back. But it's not going to be something that you, would, that you would want. But hearing Jesus say this, it is just so counterintuitive. We, we take what we want. That's the kingdom that we live in. We protect what we have. We don't give. That's the world that we understand. That's the world that we inhabit. But here's the thing. Generosity is to be the rule, not the exception in the kingdom of God. It's the rule. It's how the people of God are supposed to live. And it's always been the expectation of God's children. But some of those who were listening to Jesus on that day had just forgotten. They had forgotten the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. 
When God asked him to, to step out of the, the circle and that cycle of, of birth and work and, and family and work and death, that's what the people of that time had known. That's all that they had known. You, you live and you work and you have a family and then you die. And God says, I want you to leave everything that you've known. I want you to leave everything that you have trusted. And he says, go to the land that I will show you. And if and when you do that, I will make unto you a great nation. He says, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, I love that God chose Abraham not merely to save Abraham and his family, but rather so that by blessing Abraham, he would become an agent of blessing for others. His descendants, both physical and spiritual, were not only to share in his blessing, but they were also to spread the blessing of Abraham. And those of you who have been blessed are to be a blessing beyond yourselves. You have been blessed to be a blessing. That's the reason that you have what you have. It's the reason you enjoy what you enjoy. At whatever level it might be, you have been blessed by God in order to be a blessing to others. So Jesus says, give, and then you will receive. You say, well, why? Why give so I can receive? And the answer is, so that you can give it away again. That's God's cycle. You get, and then you give. And then you get some more. And then you give some more. And you get, and you give, and you get, and you give. That's the cycle of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want you to miss the fact that when Jesus is having this discussion, when all this is being said, as recorded in Luke chapter 6, he's talking to a group of poor and hungry and marginalized people. And he's telling them, look, you are to be blessing givers. But how much could they really give? I mean, what could they actually do? And I don't know, maybe you've wondered the same thing. Maybe you've wondered what it is that you can actually do for others and how you can be a blessing given the current economic climate. I mean, everybody in here is paying more for gas. Everybody pays more for groceries. All the different bills that you had just continues to go up. And so for, for a lot, there's just not a lot that's left at the end of the month. And so how much of a blessing can we really be? And how much of a blessing can we actually be in a society that's divided the way that this one is? I mean, you're quickly running out of patience, and, and, and your mercy is, is, at a, is at a very minimum, and, and forgiveness. Well, we talked about that last week, and you're like, man, I've been working on that all week long, and man, I didn't realize how hard things that were simple are really supposed to be. What does God expect? I mean, how much does God really expect you to give? I think it's important. It's important for us to learn that that God doesn't measure generosity by the amount of the offering, but instead by the amount of faith that offered the gift. That's why those who offer the most in God's eyes are the, often those who in society are considered to be the least. And here in just a few minutes, we're going to look at an example of this. But, but first, I just want us to address a quick question. And it's a personal one. Why do the children of God play keep away from their father? Keeping their service or keeping their time or keeping their money or keeping their talents from him. Now understand, I'm not saying that the children of God don't give to their God. What I'm saying is that typically we give God what's left over. 
We give God what's left over. So we don't give out of our excess, not from what the Bible calls our first fruits. Now, we don't really get this because we don't live in an agrarian society. The idea of first fruits just doesn't mean much anymore. But in the days of the Bible, when you lived by the harvest, the idea was that when the harvest came in, the first things that you collected, the first things that you harvested, well, these were something that you would bring and offer to God. And you would do this in confidence that the rest of the harvest would come in by his grace. But typically, today what happens, especially when times are hard, especially when inflation is up, especially when you've got kids in college, especially when the dryer breaks down and the car needs new tires, we make sure that every other aspect of our life is taken care of. And then, if there's anything left over, if there's anything left over, like time for worship, or money for an offering, or energy for serving, if there's anything left at the end, we'll give it to God. You see, I think our mindset is one that says, I will continue with my life, with all of its demands, and with all of its rhythms, and with all of its pursuits and enjoyments, and attempt, if possible, if possible, to find time and space for God's kingdom. See, following Jesus is just something we do in addition to following all the other gods in our life. And instead of allowing God's kingdom rule to lay claim to our lives for the purpose of leveraging the whole of our life to be a blessing for others, we instead have chosen to treat God's kingdom as an add-on to all the other pseudo-kingdoms in our life. And we think that God's kingdom gives but demands nothing and asks nothing in return. And then Jesus comes and says, give, and you'll receive. Give, and you will receive. And we sit there oftentimes going... I don't know. I mean, does God know what's going on in my life right now? Does God know how much I need what I already have? And we also wonder, does Jesus really expect people to live like this? Or is this just what the super Christians do, right? Is this just like what the Avenger Christians do? I mean, you got your little superheroes, and you got the Avenger superheroes, and, and so you've got, your, you've got your, your Christians, but then you've got your giving Christians, right? And then those are just what the super Christians do. Well, apparently some of the disciples took Jesus seriously. Listen to the generosity that's described in Acts chapter 4. Piggybacking off of what Kevin said earlier. All the believers were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with Great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money for the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who has need. Now guys, that just sounds crazy. It does. It really does. Because how often do you see people doing that? I mean, in, in today's climate, a lot of you have put your home up for sale. And man, it's sold like this. And you have done it for a reason, right? To make an investment, to be able to get a good return. You've got all that equity that's built up. But selling your home and land in order for those who are around you that do not have so that they can have? 
And there's no government forcing this. There's no law. There's no tax write-off that you get. They only did it. Did you catch it? Did you hear what the motive was for this extravagant giving? It says that God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there was no one who was needy. Guys, generosity is your response. It's my response to God's grace. Our giving is a reflexive response to the grace of God in our lives. It doesn't come out of altruism or philanthropy. It comes out of the transforming work that that Christ does in us. It's grace in action. Our giving is the reaction. We give because he first gave to us. And so Jesus says, look, give and you will receive. Now that same principle is echoed in the wisdom writings of Proverbs chapter 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now the idea of this first fruits that we've talked about here in the Bible is to display a confidence in the character of God. I'm saying to the world by giving my first fruits that I trust in the goodness of God. And so the greatest indicator of my theology It's not what I do on a Sunday during some type of worship assembly. It's not about songs that I sing or or books that I read. But it's about how I steward what God has given to me. Do I give what I have been given? That's what really shows the world what I believe about God. But let's be honest, there's a lot of fear that comes with this. Because can God really be trusted? So in your Bible, God highlights the stories of people who had very little, and yet they found every reason to to give. They had every reason to be fearful, but they found reasons to be faithful. They were the people who were on the outside, the people who were on the margins in society. And yet story after story in your Bibles shows individuals that say, I will trust God more than anything else that's going on in the culture, in society, or in my life. One of those stories happened back in the days of Elijah. There was a famine in the land and times were tough. And Elijah was sent by God to a, to a widow who lived outside of, of the Jewish culture. He went to a Gentile town. And he finds this widow and she feels like that her life is about to end. Not only hers but also her son's. The food has run out. But God has told her that his prophet is coming and she needs to feed him. So Elijah shows up. He asked for some bread, and she says, look, here's the deal. It's just me and my boy, and I'm about to go home, and I'm about to use the the, the last of my oil and the last of my flour, and I'm going to make one loaf of bread for us, and then we're going to die. I want you to see what Elijah says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13. He starts off by saying, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid. And isn't that what we need to hear when it comes to this idea of giving and and being generous? Don't don't be afraid to give someone else what God has already given to you. He says, go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. 
And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now guys, here is a woman of limited resources, and she has to face a very important question. And it's at the heart of our generosity. Can God be trusted? And look, she wasn't an Israelite. Her knowledge of God was limited. And I don't know, maybe you're new to the Christian faith. And you're struggling with whether or not God can be trusted with your new life. If you walk away from, from those poor influences, will God open the door to healthier relationships? If you reorder your priorities, will God allow success to come into your life? If you invest financially in God's kingdom, will he see to it that you have enough money for the basics? Can God be trusted? And I think what this story illustrates, I think it's a very foundational biblical principle. God is eager. God wants to reward whatever it is that we are willing to release. It's why Jesus said what he said in Luke chapter 6. Give, and you'll receive. Give, and it's going to come back to you. Now, don't miss the fact that, that this verse was spoken in the context of a larger spiritual reality. It's not just in the area of finances. What blessing is it that you desire from God? You will only receive it to the point that you are willing to give it away. Because God does not bless hoarders. He blesses givers. So what are you willing to give away? What is it that you want? More joy? You need more joy in your life? Well, the more joy you, you give, the more joy you get. You need more peace? How about more mercy? How about more forgiveness like we talked about last week? Do you want more spiritual understanding of God's word? What is it that you want? God is not going to give it if you're just going to hoard it away because he intends for us to be blessings. He wants you to be a blessings of others. And he wants you to use the blessings that he has given. He doesn't bless seed that is not sown. He blesses the seed that is scattered. And he's eager to give to the point that we are eager to release. And look, I know that we measure generosity by how much somebody gives away. Somebody gives some great amount to, to some foundation or something. You know, we, we really highlight that. Uh, you know, you give money to a school, they put your name on the side of a, of a building or something. You know, that's, and, and we, we talk about, man, look how much that individual gave. But Jesus measures generosity, I think, in a different way. It's not about how much you give, but it's about how much you hold back. Jesus measures generosity by how much you keep. See, we focus on the amount, but God focuses on capacity and attitude. What was your capacity to give? And what was your attitude when you gave it? I love the story of Booker T. Washington just after the Emancipation Proclamation, how he was trying to raise money in order to buy a farm on which he would build Tuskegee Institute. And the cost of that farm was $500. $500, that's, that's what he needed in order to, to build the first school of higher learning for black Americans. And so he sent out pleas. Sent out pleas all across the country for individuals to help and to, and to give something to buy this property. 
And here's the reply that he says he remembered the most. He said an elderly black woman came into his office. Her clothes were tattered but clean. She says, I have spent most of my life as a slave, and I want a better future for my children. She said, so I must do my part. And so she reached into the pockets of her apron, and she pulled out six eggs. And she says, this is all I have, and it's for the children. And Booker T. Washington said, out of all the gifts that were given so that Tuskegee could have its start, said nothing touched him more than the six eggs from the woman's apron. Guys, what does your capacity and what does your attitude toward giving tell others that you believe about God? Because you understand that's what people are finding out when they watch the way that you give. They're learning what you really believe about God. So let me suggest three takeaways and we'll wrap things up. First, God can only bless something that makes him first. He can only bless something that makes him first. It's morally impossible for God to bless seconds. Because if God could do that, he'd be saying that there's something that is more important, more important than him, and he, he just can't do that. Now understand, if you give God the leftovers, he will use it as a blessing for someone else, but you will not receive the blessing. You won't receive it. Because God cannot bless seconds. Because you're not saying, I trust you, God. You're just saying, I'll use you, God. Number two, generosity is even for the least. It's even for the least. See, I don't want you to think that I would love to help or support the work of God and, and the mission of God. I, I would love to be a better giver in my church. And I, if, if only if I just had more in terms of usefulness. I would love to be more of a help. If only just, if I just had more talent. If I just had more money. But I just don't have it. Guys, read your Bible. The best givers in the Bible didn't have much. And not being able to do much is no excuse for doing nothing in God's kingdom. It's no excuse. It's no excuse to give to God and say, well, I would, but I just don't have what, what, what she has. I don't have what he has. And so I can't. Maybe you heard about the two guys who were camping in the forest, and one guy, man, he was just covered in muscles like Wesley. I mean, he looked, he was huge, looked great. Okay, fine. Sorry, Wesley. He looked more like Steve Kahn. That's the way he looked like, right there. Looked like Steve Kahn, covered in muscles, and the other guy was a little scrawny thing, like me. The guy looked at the big guy and said, you know what, if I was as big as you, Steve, I'd go out into those woods and I'd find me a bear and I'd tear him limb from limb. The big guy looked at the little guy and said, I bet there's a lot of little bears in the forest too. <laughs> Guys, I can't repeat this enough. God is not interested in what you would do with what you do not have. We've said it a lot around here through the years. I just want to remind you, God doesn't care what you would do if you, but he cares a great deal about how you use and share what by his grace he has given to you. And hard times and low resources are no excuse for having an ungenerous spirit. You can't do it. It's that simple. Jesus says give and you will receive. And so one more thing. 
My generosity is an indicator of my faith. My generosity is an indicator of my faith. Understand this. Jesus does not care a thing about making money. What he cares about is making disciples. So someone asks, all right, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, so what percentage of my income should he have? That is a simple answer. 100%. 100%. That's what you should give to God. He should have it all. Because in Luke 14, Jesus said, you must give up everything to be my follower. And so in other words, if you're going to call Jesus Lord, then you give him permission to give you insight as to how to steward every single thing that you own. His agenda and his kingdom and his treasure come first in the life of a disciple. And the way I show that is through my faithful stewardship. Guys, our monetary offerings, the money that we give whenever we, we come in settings like this, our monetary offerings serve as a means to support our ministries and care for our community. But first and foremost, our monetary offerings serve as a measure in the depth of our faith. We do not give a weekly offering so that bills can be paid. We give a weekly offering so that faith can be displayed. So our faith can be displayed. The good that your offering might do in the future is secondary to the faith that your offering displays right now. So we collect your faith offering and, and mine each week via our online giving or our giving boxes in the hallway or our giving kiosk. And then we use that money to offer care and compassion to both members of our community and our church family. We use that money to promote the sharing of the good news of Jesus in Central America and in the Caribbean. And we use that money to engage in ministries that move children and teens and young adults and singles and, and families and senior adults closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. And to fully engage in those actions, we need to collect each week donations totaling at least $24,500. And guys, to those of you who continue to financially support our efforts on a weekly and monthly basis each and every year. On behalf of the elders, I cannot say thank you enough for your generosity and for your kindness. And to those of our church family, for those of our church family who rarely, if ever, give financially to support what we attempt to do in the name of Jesus Christ, can I remind you this morning that you have been blessed in order to be a blessing. So give. And you will receive. And you say, well, I give in other ways. That's great. I want you to continue to do that. But giving of your time and service does not relieve you of the responsibility to bring God the first fruits of your monetary harvest. Because that's where your faith is shown. Guys, when I give God my first fruits and I'm declaring that I'm going to trust his character more than my fears. And so I, I'm going to listen to what the Bible says about God and determine how I live by, by, by looking at his character instead of by reading the headlines about what's happening in the economy. 
Because no matter how the inflation goes, no matter where the gas prices hit, and no matter what happens when it comes to groceries and intuition and, and cars and repairs and all the other things that come up in our life, God still asks to be first. And he gives us each and every day the opportunity to show that he is. Friends, you've been blessed to be a blessing. What an honor, man. Think about this. Think about the honor it is to find out, if you did not know this before, that God has blessed you. He has given to you so that you can give to others, so that you can be an instrument of blessing in other people's lives. Generosity is the expectation of a follower of Jesus. And that generosity is to be displayed both inside and outside the church house walls. So what are you doing with your money, church? What are you doing with it? And what are you doing with your house? And what are you doing with your apartment? And what are you doing with your car? And what are you doing with your garden? If any of you still do that. <laughs> and what are you doing with your groceries? And what are you doing with the clothes that are in your closet? What are you doing with your garage? What are you doing with your giftedness? As followers of Jesus, each of us must choose whether or not to give God the first fruits of our money and give God the first fruits of our time and give God the first fruits of our talents and give God the first fruits of our service. It's our choice. But that choice will show everybody the kingdom that we live in and the God that we serve. So give, and you'll receive. And then give again, and God says you'll receive. And then give again, and God says you'll receive. And you just keep on, 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 on. And guess what? God will keep on and on and on because you have been blessed to be a blessing. Will you turn and tell the person that's next to you that? Say, you are blessed to be a blessing. Some of you had a lot easier time saying it than hearing it. But the message of Jesus is that simple. Give and you will receive. Father, will you open our hearts so that we might not only hear this message, but so that we might truly live it out. That we might be generous with all the things that you have given us. Generous and overflowing, Father, giving first to you and to your kingdom before anything else. And we do this in your name, and we do this for your honor and for your glory. Not so that our name can be up on any kind of building, but so that your name will be praised and honored and blessed. Father, you have poured out so much upon us. I pray that we will look today, that we will look this week, that we will look this month and this coming year for more and more ways that we might be able to be a blessing to the people that are around us. Father, thank you for your mercy. We pray that you will keep giving it as we extend the mercy to others. The same for your joy and for your peace and for your forgiveness. Father, we ask that you keep blessing us. But we know that you're asking us to continue to be that blessing. May we do so in the name of Jesus as we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing and encourage one another. And if you need to come this morning... I would encourage you to do so, to come and say, you know what, I'm just going to own it and say I'm not, I haven't been a blessing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you about something. I've got a closet that's filled with shoes, all right? 
I got shoes and I've got clothes that I've outgrown now. And guess what? They're just still sitting in my closet. I've got to do something with that this week. There are, some, there are individuals who can be blessed by, by some good things that I have that I've just been holding on to. What about you? Maybe you need to come this morning and say, I need the prayers of this church for me this week so that I might be able to live out the message of Jesus. Or maybe you want to be a follower of Jesus and say, I believe that he's the son of God. I want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. We'd love to celebrate with you. If you'd just like a time of private prayer in our back, in our lobby, one of our elders will be there in the prayer room. And you'll have an opportunity to go and to share and just to pray and to talk about scripture, anything that might be on your heart. Whatever your need might be, why don't you let it be known? Let's stand and give God praise today.